0: Global Broadcasting Networks presents Military Mom Talk Radio. We know behind every soldier, sailor, airman, and marine is the family-supporting gun. With over 200 episodes in 17 countries, over five seasons, with three million monthly listeners, we are Radio Strong. Now, here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hey, military moms this is Sandra Beck and we have a wonderful show today we'll be visiting with k-12 military liaison Christine Nichols and k-12 head of school Cheryl Tatum now I'd like to thank k-12.com for making today's show possible and welcome my wonderful co-host Linda crater of military network radio who's co-hosting with me today because together we are better at bringing vital important and great information to serve the military family so ladies welcome to the show Christine what why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do as the school's military
1: liaison. I have been working for K-12 for a little over four years in this role as a military base coordinator uh, or military liaison and I serve all of our military students in a face-to-face environment. Um, to give them opportunities to get to know each other and get academic support as well as social opportunities.
0: Thanks, Christine. So can you tell me a little bit about the unique challenges service members face with regard to educating their children? Because both Linda and I know a little bit about this topic, but we really want to hear your expert information.
2: Greetings and welcome to Military Network Radio. I'm Linda Crater. And we have a terrific show for you today about the great synergy of collaboration and engagement within the military community. I'm joined today by special guest co-host Sandra Beck, host of our sister show, Military Mom Talk Radio. Today's show is sponsored by K12.com, the leader in online K-12 through education, especially suited to mobile military families. Connection within the military community is so important, and having key people who understand the unique challenges of military children and excellent education offers great opportunity. We'll be talking today with Christine Nichols, military liaison with Tinker Air Force, and Gerald Tatum, head of school for OVCA, the Oklahoma Virtual Charter Academy, where the first enrichment program for military families was established within K-12 and has now been so successful, it was expanded to additional co-ops. A warm welcome to my friend and special co-host, Sandra Beck, and our guests, Christine Nichols and Cheryl Tatum. Welcome to Military Network Radio. Sandra, let's talk with these interesting guests and learn more. I'm gonna go
0: to Christine first. And Christine, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do as the school's military liaison? Sure. I have been
1: working for K12 for a little over four years in this role as a military base coordinator uh, or military liaison and I serve all of our military students in a face to face environment um, to give them opportunities to get to know each other and get academic support as well as social opportunities.
0: Thanks, Christine. So can you tell me a little bit about the unique challenges service members face with regard to educating their children? Because both Linda and I know a little bit about this topic, but we really want to hear your expert information.
1: Sure. Thank you. The, the, Challenges that we have found that the students face and that the families face in educating their students is the lack of consistency in the home. I mean, you've got service members that are in and out through deployments, um, through trainings and and absences from the family, and then the students, how that that affects them um, does relate in their schoolwork. And sometimes you find that a lot of people don't understand the
2: challenges that
1: the military students are facing at home. You know, Christine,
2: I'm so fascinated by the fact that at Oklahoma Virtual Charter Academy, this liaison position that you're in offers an enrichment program for the children and gives engagement between the community and with K-12, as well as the parents who are gaining from your expertise. Talk a little bit more about that.
1: Sure. Um, With Our program, we do allow for all of those things that you mentioned, and it just really gives the students an opportunity to come in and to be able to engage in their community with other students that completely understand where they are and get them for who they are. Um, So you also have the ability to make friends with people who understand who they are, and then K-12 allows the teachers to actually come directly to us at Tinker Air Force Base and provide... uh, in-person, face-to-face support for these
2: students that are enrolled. That's what's so fascinating to me, is that this is an online virtual charter academy, and yet you've added this in-person aspect, which allows for tutoring and support and socialization, and it works seamlessly with the community. How has it been received? It's been
1: fantastic because the part off of that is also the family support because even the parents and the family members of these students are able to get support from these live teachers as well, um, and so this has become a favorite. <laughs> I of
2: love the, the live teachers. That's a good thing,
1: right? As opposed to dead teachers. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, live in person,
1: can see opposed to dead. Um, right. So yeah, they but they're able to. Um, The the students look forward to our classes and our time together um, so much that they're like, hey, you know, when are you meeting again? And if I say we can't meet, they're just like, oh, man, well, can we just do it and add an extra day in case? Um, Because it really does give them a place to just let them be themselves. And we are able to work with the youth center on base um, so well. They allow us to use their space that they enjoy being there to use that, too.
0: Well, that's something that I want to talk a little bit more in depth about, um, because Linda brought up a great point, you know, with this socialization. That's one of the chief criticisms Mm -hmm. that I hear about online education and, uh, you know, homeschooling, you know, or any combination of those, those two, is that the kids really don't get a chance to socialize. They don't socialize well. They graduate with poor social skills, blah, blah, blah. You know, those are the chief criticisms, but you found a way around this. So what does the socialization look like? You know, how, how does that, that work? Do you guys get together and, and, and what do you do?
1: we do we meet a couple of times a week every week throughout the school year and I take that socialization part um, very seriously because our students are at home and so most of our projects are very open-ended stem projects that we do together to allow them to have to talk to each other and to problem solve together and you'll find that the older students start helping the younger students um, and they really they'll even help each other you know and get one of them gave us a, a spelling test to another student um, in order to work together. So they do have many opportunities to build those relationships.
0: Well, and to interact. And STEM, for those of you that don't know, is science, technology, engineer, and mathematics. And, you know, that's one of the things when we have these great curriculums and we get heavily into the STEM programs, uh, there's not a lot of opportunity for communication, but you've created something very unique and different so that they can engage, they can interact, they can, you know, start to collaborate and work together because I think the teamwork aspect and the, um, the aspect of, you know, teaching kids to, to work together and to embrace differences and to learn about each other and how to communicate with both male and female kind of, you know, people maybe with different backgrounds, that's one of the things that you get in a day-to-day school, but I love how you've worked around that.
1: Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. They teach me more than um, I really help them, I think. I'm actually working on even picking up a little bit of uh, Japanese between a family that we worked with last year. I'm like, hey, I think
2: I know what you're talking about.
1: Um, (laughs) But I do. I learn a lot from them as well.
2: You know what I love is that the flexibility that I keep hearing K-12 offers you're talking about the mentoring of other students, you're talking about the teamwork, the communication between students, and even the focus on these special curriculum activities that may not be offered locally, uh, or you're looking for the consistent, seamless, flexible type of education. Talk about the curriculum and how the, the support is given, but the opportunity for new classes and things of great interest is also offered and really focused on.
1: Yeah, now Cheryl would have um, a, a lot of information on that. Then let's bring Cheryl in. Cheryl,
3: welcome. Hey, thank you. Yes, the K-12 curriculum does have a, a variety of, of courses, and we're continuing to add more every year. And so we do focus on trying to meet the needs of students at the various levels. And so teachers, you know, would support you know students that that are struggling and need extra attention through these face-to-face things that Christine was mentioning there mentioning there at Tinker or even, you know, online in a a Skype type environment, you know, an online webinar. Uh, and the but the the curriculum is rigorous curriculum, and so it's going to meet you know the state standards. It's going to prepare students for what they need to to learn to move on next year. And so, with military families, even if they transfer to another state, if they if they have the opportunity to continue with K12 there, that would be, of course best opportunity for them. They wouldn't have to transition. But if that wasn't available where they were moving, they'd be well prepared to move back into a traditional brick and mortar or whatever schooling opportunity they decided. Uh, but we are, you know, continue to try to offer different electives and different career paths for students to really, uh, you know, motivate students and find out what they're in, engaged in so that they can, you know, pursue their interests.
0: Well, I'm just going to buzz in here because I'm a single mom of uh, two kids who just graduated from elementary school and middle school. And I'll be honest: at about fourth grade, I was done with the math. Like, like <laughs> there just wasn't, you know, there wasn't anything in my wheelhouse that would would help me with the kids with math. So, how do how how do parents do this when the curriculum exceeds, you know, what they can do? Do you do you have you know, tutoring programs? Do you, you know, who helps the kids if the parent can't?
3: Right, absolutely. The, and that's the teacher's role, right? So we do have, you know, certified teachers for all grades and all subjects. And so just like in the traditional brick and mortar, you know, the teacher would be responsible for that instruction. And we try to meet the needs of the student for what they need. And so students that are able to acquire that math lesson in a shorter period of time we don't necessarily have to work on that for the full 60 minutes like you would in the brick and mortar. You know they're able to move more quickly and and finish that lesson. So they might not need as much of that live help or the online help in the webinar type classroom as another student who might need to have that type of experience every single day. So we do have those opportunities where every single day they could come into a webinar classroom and meet with the teacher in order to receive that instruction. They might have additional even tutoring type sessions that could be online. And then uh in combination with what they do there at Tinker in the face to face. So coming together and, you know, maybe doing peer tutoring or partnering together to learn from that more abled learning peer Uh, or as Christina mentioned, the teachers also will visit that that Tinker site a couple of times a week and so they can come out and also assist there in person. So there's lots of opportunities to receive that instruction from a teacher.
2: I love how the opportunities just seem to grow. When you're looking at setting up a co-op at K-12, and in particular this one, the Oklahoma Virtual Charter Academy, do you take a look at the interests of the children and those types of teachers and courses? uh, Or is a whole STEM program added? And if there's a need for something new or fresh, how do you take a look at that? And what do you do next? Cheryl, I guess that's for you. Yes,
3: because that's just in general across the whole school. Right, not necessarily so just that tinker.
2: That's correct. Okay.
3: The yes, so we do have a a school wide planning committee, and so we are Title One school, and so we involve parents and teachers, administrators, everyone that we can get feedback from for to gather those interests. We survey the students also, and so we'll take that information just like a traditional brick and mortar might do, and from there we decide. If there's additional programs that would be beneficial to our students and create a strategic plan and implement it so similar type of process that you would do it at, at another school
2: actually it sounds a lot more involved and more personalized than at most schools that i'm familiar with i love how you gather the student interest as well as say the parents interest or the needs of the children from a curriculum standpoint and so as you as you look at these programs and you evaluate them as you go on, do you often add to them from the user experience? And so this is an evolving, always building program when you have these co-ops?
3: Yes. So we're always adding additional programs or services to meet those needs. And so it might be, as you mentioned, like with the co-op program there, that was a need that we saw with military families and wanting to provide that opportunity to offer that support or within the gifted program, we might add in person sessions where they do presentations or other STEM type activities or they participate in competitions. So based on what we learn from those, those surveys or those needs assessments, then we continue to try to implement different programs to meet the needs of the students.
0: Well, and that's the thing that I always wondered about, because, you know, if you've got kids who are gifted and they're bored um, and, you know, they need more, you know, they want to go deeper into a subject or they want to expand their knowledge base. You know, they're not satisfied with U.S. history. They want to add in, you know, you know, Greek history or, you know, is there opportunity for gifted kids to really go nuts when they want to?
3: there are and, and as you mentioned there's different ways that you can enrich a gifted student right so you you can go deeper or you could accelerate or you could add a, a different subject for them to explore and so we do have all those opportunities for students uh, when they get to high school it's easy within our schedule since we don't have that bell schedule to add seventh course so a student could graduate earlier if they wanted to we partner with the career techs and the local colleges and universities so that they could be concurrently enrolled and be working on college credit at the same time that they're attending the high school or be uh, learning a trade to lead towards certification with the career tech so those opportunities continue to to increase especially as they get into high school
2: Wow, Cheryl, I love hearing that because whenever you involve students in in understanding their interest and listening to them, that's unheard of in more general brick and mortar type schools. And the fact that you just mentioned um, taking a look at what what comes next, so you can graduate early if you have a great interest. You may be college bound, but you may be vocation bound as well, which I think we know from Mike Rowe that there's a huge need for all kinds of crafts and um, really big places to go and be flexible as they move around the world and where they want to go. Because if you're interested in something, you're going to focus on it. Talk more about what the students would say about these types of choices they're given.
3: Absolutely. Well, I think that motivation is key right and i agree right. like with what you're saying that that's you're going to be motivated in something you want to learn about and you're also going to be motivated i think from that relationship right you're going to mm-hmm. learn better from someone you have a relationship with so we try to to do both sides which again comes back to knowing that student so you can build that relationship to provide the opportunities that would be interesting to them but also serve them well for their future and uh, our students being a statewide virtual charter school board Uh, or excuse me, a statewide virtual charter school, our students live all across the state. And so depending on the district that you live in, some of those opportunities that you could be afforded in an online school just wouldn't be available to Mm -hmm. you in your local brick and mortar school. Uh, There just wouldn't be the the staff or uh, the facilities to offer that. And so it really does open up all the possibilities to every student regardless of where you live.
0: Well, and I have some questions, because I'm a kind of looks-like, smells-like, tastes-like kind of girl, and I think a lot of people are curious about this. What does it look like when you sign up? Like, do you have to go out and buy all the books? Do you have to buy a computer? I mean, most people have computers today and Internet. But, you know, what do you need in the household, or how does that whole thing work?
3: Sure, well, we, we do have an enrollment team that can help walk you through the process, so you know exactly what to expect every step of the way. But uh, you would sign up uh, by completing application online, and then you would need to submit the required documents that are required by the state, proof of residency, your immunizations, those types of things, because it is a public school. Uh, once you're a- approved, then we send all of the things that you need as far as, you know, the books or in the elementary school, a lot of it's even hands-on, so we might send pattern blocks or a microscope. A lot of the books as they get to the high school level are more online, so they just click right there and, and they can read them online. The student would need, of course, a computer, which can be provided if that's necessary, and um, internet um, is essential because that's where you would access all of your courses and those online webinars like we discussed.
0: So I have a couple more questions. How long do kids spend in on the computer? Because I know my kids are like, like junkies. I mean, they're, they tablets, their phones, <laughs> their things. They're like, you know, heroin for kids. And, you know, I have to pull them off. So the screen time is a concern, I think, for parents. Do they spend a lot of time in front of the computer on top of, you know, their, their Xbox and you know, everything else they have today?
3: it it varies by age and so the younger students uh, don't have as much online time they uh, more of theirs has offline activities because the younger students still need those tactile experience they're still learning at that really concrete level so that's why we send you know that actual book that you open up and hold and touch and the pattern blocks that you manipulate and move and then as they progress, we're progressing through the years for them to become a more independent learner. And then it does transition more to becoming more online, which prepares the students well for you know, if they do enter college most colleges now you're going to take at least one of your courses online. And so the students come out with that experience of understanding how to navigate a fully online course, uh, how to manage a schedule and you know how to be responsible for their own learning.
2: You know, I'd like to go back to Christine and talk about how... Uh, Tinker Air Force Base, how has how the garrison accepted all of this wonderful, I'm wrong on garrison, but how, how does the base accept the addition of this to their, their background? Are they enthused by it? Are you fully really supported? And and is it something that they're really enthused about in terms of offering more to our military children?
1: Yes, definitely. They We get a really good response from the base. Um, the youth center actually allows us to use their location. They don't charge us. They don't. Um, they don't have a whole lot of restrictions on us. The students are in school during the day, so the youth center is not being utilized, and so they allow us to come in and use their classrooms and their playgrounds and their indoor gym um, and just give us that space to meet. Um, and they're very supportive of that. They're always including us in activities. They're always saying, "Hey, did your kids want to be a part of this?" Um, and then we're also able to know what's going on on the base so that our kids can get involved, like we talked about earlier with the community involvement. You know, we can find out when there's an activity and we can make sure that the students are getting the resources that they need, but we can also reach out and assist if there's something that the that the community of our base needs.
2: I love that. And talk about how the parents really integrate into this whole group of engaging. So you've got your teachers, you've got the base leadership, you've got, uh, Christine, you obviously as the liaison. How do the parents fit into this as well? So our program does
1: provide for some family support because they are allowing also the opportunity to see the teachers that their students are working with and ask questions. Um, I've seen them get questions answered from, you know, access questions or just, you um, academic questions themselves on are they supporting their students the right way and helping them get a schedule built up. Um, in order to make this program work best for their family, but then they also get an opportunity to step away and allow the school to, um, because they are allowed to leave their students with me in in my care. So they get some opportunity to take care of themselves for a little while, or maybe um, another child, or maybe their spouse. Um, so they're allowed that opportunity to take care of themselves for a little bit too, while their student grows in the program with us.
0: Mm. Do you guys ever go on field trips like? I mean, I've been to Oklahoma City. I've been to the science museum and the, like the zoo and the botanical gardens. Like, do you guys go to the ballpark or do you guys have field trips
1: yeah. arranged? We sure do. So the school itself actually does monthly. Um, outings and it gives students the opportunity to meet a lot of our teachers in the school and there's a few of them that every teacher and every staff member from the school are attending so they really get to see you know that we are real people behind the screen Um, as for the co-op that we run we do separate outings on top of what the school already provides and offers so it really gives them a chance to get out and uh, look around and learn about their community around them one of their favorites is going to the national weather center Uh, we get to go out there and work with them so
2: (laughs) and you learn how to tell the weather because i'm not sure that they do
1: (laughs) I think when you live in Oklahoma, you kind of all learn how to tell the weather. (laughs) Right.
0: right. We want to see those thunderheads and those tornadoes coming for sure. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes, we are all, uh, you know, like homegrown weather people when it comes to Oklahoma. But, yes, they do learn a lot out there. They're based out of Norman, and we really learn about how the whole system works, and we get to see all their their computers and and they're the ones who actually issue the storm warnings and such and so we're able to see that hands-on and in person
0: that is super I would love to do that I've got my one kid loves tornadoes and you know he would just totally dig that um I do want to ask about like extracurricular or like clubs and groups that um is that available also to k-12 students there
1: there are a lot of clubs available um that goes along with our academic that miss tatum was talking about um they have many choices for online clubs and many of the parents have grouped together and create outings on the you know the like a co-op of parents for them as well um but there are multiple i actually sat in on an online cooking club one time and the students were talking to each other and exchanging recipes um they have book clubs and and language clubs and we also have a student council Um, we have all of those things that allow the children to get together and work together we have prom for our high school students we hold graduations um, so there's plenty of opportunity for those extracurricular activities
0: what about music and art you know that's kind of like it's it seems weird I mean I'm a, a geek so I can totally think about how to do music and art online is that something that's offered as well Cheryl,
1: do you want to step in and explain how that
3: process works? Sure, yeah. Yes, we do offer music and art. And the students can do, you know, of course, the easy part is doing art history or music history type of things. But they can also you know create art that's embedded at the elementary school within their history so all of the curriculum connects and they can see those cross-correlations as they study art through time and create different art projects. We do at the middle school host a art show every year and so the students submit work and and we can do that online and students can come through and uh, appreciate each other's work and understand how to leave appropriate comments and celebrate each other so uh, students can record music performances to turn those into their music class so those are offered k through 12.
2: You know, I want to make sure that our listeners know how to get in touch. If you want more information about the K-12 programs in general, you would go to k12.com. And enrollment is open for the 2017-2018 year. But Cheryl, can you give us the uh, link or where they should go online for the Oklahoma Virtual Charter Academy?
3: Sure. As you mentioned, you can go to k12.com. And from right there, you can click onto your state to get into Oklahoma. But if you want to go directly to Oklahoma, you can just go to k12.com backslash OK.
2: Backslash just OK, not Mm -hmm. O-V-C-A. OK, so k12.com forward slash OK. One quick question. We don't have a lot of time left, but I'm just curious. Is there great communication when there is a deployment coming or a PCS or changes for the kids?
1: It comes with our relationships with the families. We know what's going on because we're able to see them in person every week. Um, And so our families notify notify me. We can talk about, hey, have you told your student's teacher? Um, And they have the flexibility of being able to be uh, more available for those deployments by being schooling at home um, versus having to take absences to leave the school to see their their parents off, um, or to celebrate their homecoming. They have the more flexibility to be available for that.
0: Well, you can also go to ovca.k12.com. And I have to tell you, you guys have a -a Geekapalooza, which is a steam (laughs) festival for kids. I just, this is my nerdy little heart over here singing with joy.
1: I will be working that this weekend. I'm so looking forward to it. I was just looking at all the information about it and I got excited.
0: Me, too. I'm like, how do I get my kids and me from L.A. to Oklahoma City because they have a geek costume contest. Like how incredibly fun is that? I think I don't know. I think I would go a C-3PO. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm getting all excited and I can't even go.
2: I am just laughing, picturing you in a C-3PO costume. You know, Christine and Cheryl, thank you so much for sharing this information about this really wonderful program, of which there are several across the country. And again, you can go to k12.com to find out more and put your state and find out your local K-12 Academy. And we are really pleased to be able to share this information with our listeners because seamless, flexible, enriching education to add for our military children is just priceless. And so thank you both for sharing your expertise and just being on with us and talking to our listeners.
1: Thank you for having us.
0: Thank you.
2: And we'll talk about Sandra's costume another time. (laughs) Wonderful job. You
0: have to look up any school that allows you to wear a geek costume. Like that's just going to K12.com. That's worth it right there.
2: (laughs) Thank you all again. Go take a check out at Oklahoma Virtual Charter Academy and K12.com.
1: Thanks for tuning in to Military Mom Talk Radio. Want more information? Check us out at militarymomtalkradio.com
0: or find us on iTunes for more than 200 free episodes. Drop us an email or find us on Facebook. We are looking forward to another great
1: discussion. We hope you'll join us on Military Mom